You're listening to the EBITDA Growth Systems Making Business Profitable podcast with profitability experts Dave Kapkowitz and Mike Watkins. Coming at you from 5,675 feet in lovely Golden, Colorado. My name is Dave Kapkowitz and I'm here with Michael Watkins living our mission statement to impact lives through improving business performance. We accomplish this by coaching, speaking, and educating so you can live your best life. Good day, Dave. Good day, Michael. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We got something special happening today, huh? What do we have happening today? We got Jessica. Jessica Wilbur joining us. Hey, guys. From Tech Manufacturing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excited to have her. Yeah, you... Uh, you're excited to have her, but you came in here with a really long face, man. What, what was that all about? <laughs> you know, I'm driving home yesterday and going up 285, and, I, and there's this rock. I see it coming, and it lands right on my windshield. It's at the bottom right corner in front of the passenger seat, and glass explodes in my car. Probably a shot glass or two shot glasses of just glass shards everywhere. And I had, I had sunglasses on, but it hit me in the face. Wow. I've never seen anything like that happen before. I didn't realize that could happen in a windshield. I thought just fractured. I didn't realize that it could explode inside, but it did. You'll see it when we go to the trainer day. You'll see it like all across my dash, my passenger seat and everything. Yeah, Dave, I think if you s- slow down to 60 miles an hour, that doesn't happen. I was only going like 50. It was it was uh, it was the beginning of two eighty five, you know, with all those curves. I seen you do fifty in the parking lot. <laughs> Just trying to keep up with you, Michael. Come on. So so what are we talking about today? Well, we're gonna talk about some sales and marketing. Sales and marketing. What's so special about sales and marketing? Um, it's pretty much everything that I you like need it. to keep your business going. It's something about a pipeline. This pipeline winds up being important, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Forecasting, things of that nature. So, yeah, talking to different shops we engage with, some shops are, are landing some big contracts right now, right? True. Some shops are just status quo, doing the same thing they've always done, and some shops are just dry. They, they've launched with a lot of uh, smaller, large companies, if, mm-hmm. if you will, you know, yeah. the $100 million guys, and they cut orders for engineering, and then mm-hmm. they get engineering, get the first build, it goes up, whether it's a rocket or whether it's a pro- set of prototypes, then you just sit and wait for production if it ever happens. Totally. So what happens is these guys' backlog dries up. And so we, we see that with probably 20% of our clients. We see people, you know, having a hard time finding work. Well, we've known you for a couple of years. That's <laughs> something you don't typically struggle with. <laughs> I try not to struggle with it. Yes, yes. That, that'd be a problem, <laughs> wouldn't it? So, so really wanna, we want to talk about the difference between sales versus marketing but really what I want to get into, Jess, is the uh, is what do we tell these business owners that are drying up? What do, we t- what do we tell these business owners that don't have a backlog and they're just scared? Like, how in the world am I going to make it? Sure. They just sit back with faith and pray for work? Mm-hmm. Do they, which that's never a bad thing. I'm not yeah. saying that. But, I mean, what do you, they just sitting and waiting or what do they go do? And uh, so let's pick your brain a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I would I would say that with machine shop owners, they can get caught in the weeds 
most of their day. Say it ain't so. Yeah. You know, um, which is understandable. Um, you know, you're herding the cats. Um, <laughs> and that's your day. Uh, I would recommend that a business owner look outside of that and you have, you have 24 hours in a day. So you spend eight hours of your day at work. You should be proactive on things that you don't have time for after hours and on the weekends. Um, and I know that's kind of crappy to say, and it's, it's not what everybody wants to do, but you're the business owner and no one's coming to save you. Mm -hmm. You have to save yourself. Um, so find the time that works for you. It may not be within the four walls of your brick and mortar. Um, it may be, you know, early in the morning before you get to work. It could be and on your way to work. It could be on your way to work. It could be right after you drop the kids off to school. It's whatever, whatever you can do and how you can manage it, but you need to be pouring into your business and you need to be contacting new clients, new customers, generating leads in inside of work and outside of work. Absolutely. So Mike, what did you have to, what do you think? Well, you know, when we talk about sales versus marketing, um, I think that makes sense for large companies sales versus marketing mm -hmm. but for small to medium-sized manufacturers it's sales and marketing it's all it's a mish, it's a mashup right yeah if you're less than five million bucks typically the owner's doing all of it and if you hire a sales guy he's doing both totally and so when jessica says okay you're gonna have to expand your day mm -hmm. um you're gonna be doing that marketing in those off hours that you're gonna be doing research for new customers. You're gonna find out who do you need to contact in those new customers. You're gonna be reaching out to them and following up. I mean, so you'll be doing marketing, you know, during the off hours. And then, you know, in terms of sales during the business day, you're gonna to have to get your butt out of the office and, and go and see people. You're you're a hundred percent right. I mean, how how do people these business owners that just, uh, one comes to mind, they spend a whole bunch of time on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And you did a survey about this, yeah, about this LinkedIn and LinkedIn yeah. advertising, LinkedIn emails. Yeah, what's, asking, what's your take on that? I, was, I asked my, the people who follow me, I asked them what was the most spammy to them as far as salespeople go, because we kind of get a bad rap, salespeople. Um, and they said that LinkedIn in-mail was the most spammy, that they would prefer someone showing up or calling them um, cold over LinkedIn in mail. Um, Keep yeah. that in mind. Don't yeah. forget that. Yeah. And I would say as far as like sales and marketing for small businesses in our business, marketing is really edification and sales is the go to market strategy. Mm -hmm. So we go to market, we find the leads to come look at our marketing. Mm -hmm. Our marketing doesn't sell our business. No one can sell our business. Right. Like I can sell my business. Um, so marketing is really just that edification. So we went on all the free platforms like LinkedIn, Instagram, Yelp, Google, and we, edified our business. We put out marketing information. Um, so that way when we do contact somebody, they go to Google us, they can see, oh, we're a real established company. Um, and then I would say, and you LinkedIn, have to have a website for that, don't you? Totally. Yeah. You can't <laughs> not have website people. You have to have a website and a website's super easy to actually make yourself. Um, you could probably just do one on a WordPress website in what's, two hours. What's that? Uh, what's that website? What's that um, durable. Durable.com is an AI website generator. Yeah. You go in, you answer a series of questions that build your website in 30 seconds. That's and then you spend about an hour in it and you can customize your website however you want. And it uses AI. And check this out. They can do your keywords and everything Man. for like 15, 12 to $15 a month. Yeah, you can't beat that. 
and it's all AI driven. Yeah, and then it's like domain.com, godaddy.com. When you go to buy your website, you can actually click one box and it will give you a real email address of like mm-hmm. Jessica at tactmanufacturingsolutions.com versus at Gmail or at AOL or any of those other ones, which is a really nice thing to do for your business. I like it. I like it. Um, but back on the LinkedIn thing, um, there are 950 million users on LinkedIn. Um, and it's just a couple. Oh, there's almost that many people here in Golden. If we only had that many customers, right? Um, oh, no, that'd be a nightmare. <laughs> I just want 10 good ones. <laughs> um, and then you think about like how many people actively engage on LinkedIn. About 100% of the users go on to LinkedIn daily. Um, and they consume content, mm-hmm. but only 4% of those users actually post. So it's a huge missed opportunity for independent individuals. So we're part of well the 4% to actually post are, something. We are part of the 4%. Um, but you think about that as a huge missed opportunity for small businesses cause it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Is it a missed opportunity or is LinkedIn a consumption tool and not a contribution tool? No, LinkedIn is a contribution tool because they're all about educating their consumers. Um, I like it. Yeah, they will promote, unlike Instagram or Twitter or TikTok, they promote what people um, hashtag, Mm -hmm. and LinkedIn will promote what you're educating. So if you're educating in your posts and telling people about certain things and teaching them stuff, LinkedIn Mm -hmm. will promote that post. So I got to tell you something? Yeah. So my kids, you know, they're all, they're all young adults now and I was talking about hashtags this hat and the other and I and I instead of saying hashtag I said pound (laughs) I said you know it's Dave pound this that and my kids were like you just said pound and my youngest daughter (laughs) says like what is pound I said it's it's that symbol that's the pound symbol it's not hashtag it's actually pound symbol so I had to educate her I get her I get to rewind because we have more than 10 clients so when I say I want good 10 good customers. I'm talking about machine shops, manufacturers. You don't want to be all in on just one. You need to have about 10 that you go back and forth, diversify in. So that, that 10 mark, you can do a whole bunch of work with 30 or 40 and get to that 10, right? But you have to overshoot, right, Jess? Totally. You have to go after several, but you kind of got to figure out what you're good at. Yeah. You got to figure out what kind of work you'll, you'll nail down. Yeah. Um, but but let's rewind to one of our notes here. Um, sorry to switch gears. Yeah. Why don't machine shop owners just get up and get out of their shop and go see people? Oh, man. So. Do you see that? Am I just, am I just seeing things or do you see that? Yes. No, it's 100% a thing. Um, I think it's time and resources that will be their excuse. But I also think what it really is is, is anytime I step away from my shop, things might go wrong. It's a shop. They're going to go wrong, mm-hmm. whether and you're yeah, there or not. Yeah. Hello, Murphy. You're my <laughs> yes, favorite boy. Yes. Um, Murphy lives in manufacturing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think what machine shop owners can do to kind of test the waters to build their sales muscles is to attend networking events. Because you might not find a customer there, but you're going to learn something about your business or someone else's business. So you're going to have a takeaway. But you can practice your pitch on people who aren't going to buy from you. So who cares? Um, and I think that's a, that, that is a big warmer of the, the sales muscle for, um, small manufacturers. Was that a plug for a networking event here in Mm, November? Better. Yeah. That might be one (laughs) more. No, it's, uh, you need to hang around with other people. You need to hang around with other shops. You need to network with businesses looking for you, right? Yeah. It's so important without it. 
shoot, you just, it's hard to get anywhere. Totally. If someone's walking up a trail and they're way ahead of me and I finally catch up to them and they're like, Hey, did you, did you miss that hole? Did you break your ankle on that hole that was behind? And I was like, man, I, w- I did. I wish I would have known about that, you know, before I walked up this trail and I'm following you and you didn't holler back. Hey, watch out for this, whatever. It's like having that, that information from someone else before mm-hmm. it hits you or your business, it will, it will save you a lot of money. In time, mm-hmm. in time. But I mean, it's, uh, I, I understand it's way outside your comfort zone, but you got to get out and go see people because totally. relationships start here when it face to face, when you're talking with somebody that's, you want to hear about their family. You want to hear about what they love to do and what they don't love to do. You want to hear stories about their life and that gives you a connection. And when it's your time to come up mm-hmm. with a quote, they're going to remember your story you're just not going to be an email or a LinkedIn spam that you're, it's going to be a face. They remember totally. So and when things go wrong, people know that you're human and they can, yeah. they can, you know, compare themselves to you and they can understand where you're coming from. So it's easier mm-hmm. when you have to tell them things are not going great. And not that anything ever goes wrong <laughs> in manufacturing, Never. but, uh, <laughs> but is if you own it quick and call them quickly and you're on top of it and you have a real relationship, like somebody totally. you care about, that you get over those hurdles rather quickly. Yeah, and I think in our industry, um, there are multiple instances where we have, I guarantee most machine shops have multiple vendors that they've never stepped foot in, but they expect the world of them. Yeah, and, and they, they don't even know how big yeah, they are. And they put their their business in their hands and expect them to treat it how they treat it. But you've never shown up to the building. You've never spoken to that person face-to-face. And I think that is crucial to to next leveling your business so you're saying relationships with your vendors and your customers are critical to being successful yes huh what do you think of that mike well i think you end up with a warm safe and dry scenario where uh you know uh, we we talk to our clients and they have two or three clients uh, two or three customers and they've had them for 10 or 15 years and 80 percent of their business comes from that customer they have a 90% win rate on quotes, and, and they're just so proud of that. And, y- and you're like, hey, um, you are leaving money on the table if you're winning 90% of the time. That means that, you know, your price. But, Mike, they're using the, the quote sheet from 1978 from their dad. Totally, totally. The prices haven't changed since 1978. I, I know. And so <laughs> you end up with what they perceive to be warm, safe, and dry. Mm-hmm. But really, they're taking in water and don't realize it. Yep. And so one of the magical things that happens when you diversify your customer base is uh, you get to experiment with different pricing and different approaches, and you realize, wow, I've been getting screwed for a while. You know, or, or you've been screwing yourself with pricing. You, yeah, you've been screwing yourself, basically. I mean, it's not your customer's job to to tell you to do something different you know you need to go and learn that but you do that by getting out and about you just need to i mean and you like we've said it a dozen times you need to understand what your costs are then understand the margin you need to make to be successful and be profitable yeah, reverse but engineering yeah, yeah but <laughs> if you don't know your cost how dare you quote something shoot you really get yourself in trouble totally you know bubba that you're paying 16 bucks an hour or 20 bucks an hour Bubba did make twenty bucks an hour. He's making thirty some. Well, how? What's that math? Well, benefits, taxes, all that stuff. You got to think about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Bubba's supervisor. Guess what? You're paying for him too, and he's not making parts today. Mm. You know, y- it, we go through this exercise. You s- you went through it last year. We actually updated the form 
even more this year. It's really cool. The forecasting tool and the costing tools yeah. we're going to go through this year at the business planning session, but they're, they're invaluable. So what do you want to talk about? Uh, what do you think about diversifying your client base? Oh man. Um, well, a couple, we'll say, we'll just stick with sales tips on this side of the fence. Um, some sales tips for diversifying your client base. I would say diversification can be within the same industry because all companies aren't going to tank at the same time. All companies aren't going to be successful at the same time. So it's okay to, to serve certain industries, but you can't serve just one customer. Um, or one product. Or one or product. One, you don't want to make yes. wing parts and only wing parts. Totally, totally. Um, an easy sales tip for people that they just don't recognize is happening right in front of their face is when you Google a certain company, Google will give you at least three to five options that are similar companies. Mm -hmm. So it's right there on the page for you of who else you can contact. So if you have a customer that you've been servicing for years and you know their pain points and you know where you win, you can pitch that win to all five of those suggested companies to go to. Um, and LinkedIn does the same thing. The cool part about LinkedIn is they'll show you the people that actually work there. Yep. Yep. So GTC. Google that crap. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it is key. If you don't know what to do, yes. GTC, right? And if you want contact emails, um, a small tip is just to ask Google what the email format for that mm -hmm. company is. And if you know your contact name, you can you can try at least five times and you'll get a win. So when I, I, I had a client ask me today, were you ever in a full-time sales position? And I was in sales full-time from 2010 to 2015-ish. And uh, he's like, really? It's all you did sell? I'm like, yeah. And they said, well, how'd you get all your information? I said, I was on LinkedIn in 2010 hardcore. Mm. Really? You were? I was like, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to make as many contacts as I could. So I would research companies and find the people that were on LinkedIn at those companies. Yeah. And I would call the company and ask for Joe so-and-so or get their email and I would call them directly or email them directly and say, hey, I'm in Philadelphia today, but I'm going to be in Denver tomorrow. Can I grab a cup of coffee with you or can I grab lunch with you or can I just stop by? Give me five minutes. I don't get to Denver very often, but I want to come see you because I really love what you do at your company. Can you give me five minutes? And it was shocking how many people said, sure, I'll give you five minutes. In fact, it was like 90, 95% of everybody I called. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they, they don't mind seeing you for a little bit. This is just a few years ago, right? But right. it's pre-COVID, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But still, they would give you a little bit of time. Are you seeing that same thing? Um, yes, um, especially because people don't want to sit in their cubicle and work all day. Absolutely not. It sucks. <laughs> it's so You ever seen office space? Come it's on. It's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> it's the worst. So any chance that you can give them that they that you can show them value, mm -hmm. you can also teach them something that will make their job mm -hmm. better without having to sell your company while you're there. Um, it will transcend uh, your business. People will want to buy from you. And, and let's talk about buyers briefly to the end of this podcast. But buyers are unique. Uh, oftentimes buyers, they go to school, they get a certificate, um, whatever that certificate is, and then they join a company and they start buying product. Oftentimes they don't know the industry and they don't really, they can't leave their cubicle and go see their vendors. So they totally. don't really understand who they're buying from. Yeah. Um, when I had new buyers, I would, I would totally grab, stop by, grab lunch, and I would mm -hmm. invest in them. I had a guy named Joe that wasn't familiar with our industry at all, and I went down three days a week, mm -hmm. and I educated Joe on the industry, and I showed him, took pictures of, of the shop, and I brought them to him, and I brought parts, and I showed him how things, things are, these things are machined. That was 
15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, Joe runs all the purchasing for an $18 billion company today. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's, he's a bit of a power player. <laughs> but I can call Joe, and we can have a great conversation. I have a nickname mm-hmm. for him. I, I, if I divulge it, you'll probably know who I'm talking about. But yeah. I can call Joe, and I can talk with him 30 minutes in the middle of his day, and he doesn't mind talking to me at all. Totally. And if I asked him for work, he'd give it to me. I don't, I don't cut chips anymore. Yeah. But it's that kind of guy. Those yeah. relationships, when you invest in the buyers, are phenomenal. When you said educate, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's real. Totally, totally. Um, first off, you can introduce me to Joe. Second off, um, <laughs> <laughs> second off when, when you think about team, um, and a lot of people kind of set that to a side, and it's, it's something that's subconscious, team. It is our job as manufacturers to set buyers up for success. Absolutely. Their managers aren't training them and their, their engineers aren't supporting them in technical knowledge mm-hmm. on how the part will be made. And or how, how long, fast they need the part. Yes, or how fast they need the part or how long it will take to make the part. Mm-hmm. So I have buyers who send turned parts to mill houses and then they wonder why they don't get anything back because they don't, they don't understand what's happening. So They'll pause. Yeah. And then they get pissed off at the mill houses because totally. all they do is no quote their lathe work. Totally. So when you, they do get a mill opportunity, they're not going to send it to you because you never responded to them. That's right. Um, and I think that it's, it's a perfect opportunity for every manufacturer when you get an RFQ that does not fit your business to educate your buyer because that's the least you can do to set her or him up for success. Um, and those, those shouldn't be missed opportunities. When they send you a sheet metal part and you're like, we don't do sheet metal, talk to them about the sheet metal part. What else is attached to this? What goes inside of this? Can you tell me more about your project? Mm-hmm. How can I help you? Um, you might actually refer them to another shop. Totally. Refer and them to another shop because if you can get her a win or him a win, they're going to come back to you with right. all their other work. They won't forget. They will not forget you. Um, so I think you know having the abundance mentality and making sure that you're you're pouring into the, mm-hmm. the industry. It's also helpful for the industry as we grow, all these next gens coming in. Um, it's important. And then also, too, like when your part happens to be late um, or is going to be late, you mm-hmm. should tell them well in advance because you don't want the buyer to be set up for failure when sh- her or him goes into the meeting, the production meeting, and they have no information. Oh, yeah, that makes them look really bad because they made the choice to give you the totally. job. It creates bad culture in your customer's facility. Mm-hmm. And you were the person who instigated that. You were the person who facilitated that. You want to be the opposite. You want to help them build good culture because good culture keeps people's butts in seats. If that person is the buyer for the next five years, you can build a relationship with that person. Otherwise, employee turnover, then you're going to be constantly selling to that same customer you've been doing business with for 40 years because you created bad culture by not getting them any information. That's right. That's right. And it's a... Uh, it can all be prevented by good communication totally. and really focusing on relationships. Totally, totally. So I've watched you in your, in your career transitions in the, in the last several years. And uh, what, you know, Mike and I are really proud of what you've, what you've done uh, with mm-hmm. TACT and how many shops you're helping. Thank you. And how you're taking a woman-owned business and you're doing something really special and leveraging that to help other shops. Your business is doing very well, so you aren't... You're doing these things and you're busy. Mm-hmm. And if other people just listen and go do, they will be busy too. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, does it? But, no. But it can happen in a matter of a few months. Yeah. So uh, definitely hats off 
to you and your team at Tact, which continually is growing, yeah. and uh, and what you're doing in the market and how much thank you're you. helping other other shops in the area. So yeah. thank thanks you. a lot. Yeah, it takes one customer or one piece of paper to change your life. So you Does, just have to go it? out and get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh. You, did you see the note I wrote for you in that book? No, I didn't read it yet. Oh my gosh, what does it say? I'm not telling you. You oh have to man, read it. I can't wait to see it. You have to read it. Yeah. But uh, what? You, any final words, Doctor Watkins? I would just say that uh, we've talked before on this podcast about the idea that uh, uh, people don't come to the United States for a job. People come to the United States to chase the American dream. Um, and it's sitting right here waiting for people. I mean, Jessica's great example. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and bet on my own horse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you just jump out and make it happen because in this country you can do that. Right. And uh, just warm, safe and dry is not where it's at for us. Right. And so we just love partnering with uh, Jessica because she challenges us. And um, warm, safe and dry is not what you get with Jessica. And, uh, you know, just shout out to our our listening to our listeners and and just be entrepreneurial. Go go and get it. Go get it. Have the have the grit, have the tenacity to do that, because if you do that, the American dream can be yours. Totally. Right on, Dave. Right on, Mike. If you enjoyed this podcast and you're in manufacturing and you want to learn more about what we do, go to our contact tab at ebitagrowthsystems.com, E-B-I-T-D-A, growthsystems.com, and I'll be reaching out to you personally to see what we can do for you. You've been listening to the EBITDA Growth Systems Podcast, Making Business Profitable. 